Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 267, Smoking the Veil. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. Today's episode is called Smoking the Veil, which is a phrase that I heard from Christian Sunderberg, who's the author of A Walk in the Physical. Christian has been mentioned on the podcast before. He was our guest speaker um, early in the summer in the Little School Big Change community. And he was so amazing, like one of the best speakers we've ever had. Most people agreed. So, so, so good. And he used the term smoking the veil um, in a different way than how I'm going to talk about it. But when he first used that phrase, I just, I just loved it so much. It really resonated um, for a couple reasons. One, I think just the feeling of of being behind a veil in a sense or a screen or that there being something in the way, something that separated me, who I thought I was from the rest of life is probably the like dominant feeling of most of my life until fairly recently. So, um, it, you know, that's, I don't know when I would have had these words to describe it this way, if I would have, but I think from a a really early age, I mean, I would have said, yeah, it just feels like there's a a lack of some kind of connection, a lack of intimacy, a lack of real oneness, I guess, with life. I wouldn't have said that, I know, at, at an early age, but that's how it felt. Like there's just something in the way. There's something that just won't allow me, who I took myself to be, to really relax or feel comfortable, totally comfortable in life or with other people. Um, Something that wouldn't allow me to feel fulfilled in any sustainable way. I mean, there's a lot of little moments of fulfillment, but but when you're looking to the to things that don't fulfill, they don't work. And that, that's just kind of by definition, it doesn't work that way. So forever, it felt like there was a veil or a block or an obstacle or something about me that just couldn't quite relax enough or, I don't know, that just didn't feel at home in herself or in life or whatever. And, and again, I, I, sus, I suspect that's pretty common because what I see now about that is that is just the predicament we're in when we feel like a me over here who's perceiving a world out there. It's built into that. Now, many people have a much easier time with it than I did, for sure. Many people probably have a much harder time with it than I did, but but that's built into it. It is what's going on. When you feel like a separate me, there's going to feel like something. You might not call it a veil. You may never feel it the exact way that I just described it. But, But there's something like that that appears to be missing or in the way. And for sure, that's that's kind of how I felt. So to talk, to hear him say, smoking the veil. Now, again, the other piece of this is that what 
I feel like I do here on the podcast and when I work with people and what I did for myself and continue to do sometimes in my own life is a, is smoking the veil. It's a lot of effort toward like, oh yeah, there's a feeling here. Everything I just described, what is that? How do we how do we smoke this thing? Now, we w- wouldn't necessarily say it just like that, but essentially what's happening is we're kind of seeing that there's a veil or, or that there feels like a veil. There isn't really a veil, by the way. But we're acknowledging that something feels off. Something doesn't feel quite right. We're getting curious about what that is. What is this that doesn't feel right? Not not just how do I feel bad? What's the problem here? But what is it that doesn't feel right? Like what is this supposed veil? What is this supposed block or lack? Um, What do I think it is? And when I ask those kinds of questions, it's like, again, it's not, not to be answered at the story level, but, but what? what even is it? Like, if you kind of, kind of say, yeah, it feels to me, let's just say that we're, you agree that it feels like there's some sort of veil or block to like true, deep, sustainable intimacy, connection, fulfillment, whatever in life. There's something holding you back from it. What is that? What it's, tell me what it feels like. Where is it? Where do you find it? What's the source of it? Where is it coming from? Is it always there or is it sometimes there? Is it always there in the same way? We know it's not, right? It's not always there in the same way. So when does it show up? Look for it. Call for it. Like seek it out. Dive into it when it shows up. Get super curious about what is this? Like what what am I hearing? What am I seeing? What am I feeling physically? What's going on that that leads my mind to say, oh yeah, there's something in the way? What is this thing in the way? And these are weird questions because it's not really a thing at all. And that's the beauty in this is the more we keep looking and looking and looking with curiosity and just kind of poking at it a little bit, really, really wanting to know it and just wanting to examine it. What's the essence of it? Where does it come from? And when it's gone, when it's really here in a big way, and then say it kind of vanishes, where does it go? Like those those are easy questions for a mind to dismiss because it doesn't want to go down that path. But to look at things in that way is kind of how we smoke it. We recognize it. We get super insanely curious about it. We study it in a sense, not in an analytical way, but in an experiential feeling kind of way. We, we maybe come to know it a little bit. We maybe come to appreciate it and welcome it. I mean, I'm constantly looking for like, ooh, what's a tr- what's a trigger here? What's the oh ooh? I really feel like a self. Like some stuff really came up here. What is that? So, you know, you're kind of welcoming it and in the spirit of pulling it closer and looking right at it and examining it. And and I think that's how we smoke the veil is you come to really see what this veil is. You fully 
call it forward when it's there. And you're just curious as heck about the essence of it and the nature of it, not just how it feels in words and what it says and all of that kind of stuff, not just the content of it, but what's the essence of it. So I do this for myself all the time. And essentially it's what happens when I'm supporting someone as a coach or in our community is we're we're looking at what feels to them like their veil, like their sense of self or lack or whatever it is that seems to separate them from life. And we're getting so curious about it and kind of trying to nail it down, but again, not in a intellectual, analytical way, in like a felt way, in like a, ooh, like let's just keep pulling this closer and see, like go into it. Really, really study it, absorb it, see what it's all about, welcome it, like check it out. And in doing that, that's kind of how it ends up smoked because it there's nothing there. Now I don't want I don't want to say that and like give away the punchline because it doesn't matter. The answer doesn't matter. There's nothing there. There's no veil. We can give that away. That's not going to do anything for anyone. What's gonna What's gonna help or make a difference maybe in your experience of it is you doing this yourself, like going through this and just examining the heck out of this yourself. But ultimately what you kind of see is like, oh, there's nothing there. And maybe there is something that does feel like it's always present, whether the veil is there and thick and uncomfortable and in those moments when it doesn't really feel like there's much of a veil. What's there all the time? So that's what this smoking the veil kind of leads to, not really, but it's kind of what it's all about in a sense, you know, is is examining this quote unquote veil, however it shows up for you. And again, it can just show up as a trigger, some emotional pattern, a habit. It shows up, it's just a sense of me, um, some insecurity. Should, that's all, that, that all of those things can feel like a veil. So I was talking with my husband about this this weekend and we were talking about the different things that people do to kind of smoke the veil and and get more and more curious about who who we really are. Who are we beyond conditioning, beyond supposed veils, beyond supposed identities. And he was sharing, um, he was listening to me talk about it like this in kind of a, a kind of bigger, deeper way about who we are, you know, as as life itself and these identities and who we think we are. And he's not particularly interested in, in that at that level. He's somewhat interested, but not so much. But he heard this and and really connected with it um, in terms of a couple things that he had done in his life to smoke the veil. And these are things that I, like old stories of his that I knew about, but it was really interesting to kind of hear hear it come up for him in the context of this conversation. And I just thought it might be interesting to look at some of the different ways that this looks. So the one I'll probably really just focus on the most um, is the way that he smoked the veil of being ticklish 
So he's um, the youngest of five kids, the only boy. So he grew up with four older sisters and they would torture him by just tickling him to death. And he hated this so much, but it was like, I don't know, not to make a sister sound mean or anything, but I think it was like, oh, we're just tickling him, mom and dad. You know, it seemed innocent enough. It seemed like they were playing. But this was a thing that his four much bigger, much older sisters could kind of do. And like, and he hated it. He hated being tickled by them, hated it so much. And he is a very sensitive uh, he's a sensitive person. He's sensitive emotionally, but he's just sensitive, like, in a sense kind of way. So he is, to this day, very sensitive smell and uh, taste and touch and all of that. So I can see for him how being tickled by his four sisters was like, it just painful, right? He absolutely hated it. So th- this is him as like a little kid. I don't even know how old he was, but a fairly small kid recognizing this. And he shared this with me when we were talking about it. Like, he's like, yeah, that's that's kind of what I did. He's like, I realized this is a power they have over me. It's socially acceptable in our family because it's just tickling. We're just playing, right? But I hated it. So I had to find a way. He's like, I wasn't going to be able to beat them up. I wasn't allowed to hit them, you know. Um, I couldn't do anything about it. So I had to find a way to not be affected. And he talked about this in his little kid mind, kind of going in and 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 just examining the heck out of this reaction that showed up in this the experience of of what it felt like for him to be tickled. And and he noticed, I mean, and again, I'm putting my own words on it, but this is this is what I took from his kind of story. Um, he he noticed in some sense how there was some sensations and some feelings, some physical feelings, some stuff that came up when he was tickled. And he also noticed some degree of kind of resistance to that and clenching and oh no, and here they come and all of, and that that something like that played a role. And he, but as a kid, he really kind of went into his experience in the same way that I'm talking about going into what it feels like to feel like a self or whatever our veil is, you know, like, and he, he got so curious about it. And I thought it was so funny because he said, he's like, one of the biggest clues for me um, was that I hated when they would tickle me. It felt like physical pain. Um, he's like, but I would laugh, <laughs> which is kind of funny if you think about it. I think many of us probably don't particularly love the feeling of being tickled if that's happened to you recently. And I can picture my kids doing it, saying, no, no, stop, stop, yet they're laughing. And I just thought it was so funny because this is how it, this is how this stuff is for us. It's like we get these clues, like, wait a minute, something here doesn't add up. So when we're smoking the veil of feeling like a self, an insecure self, let's say, I mean, you can you can feel totally at peace. And I'll speak for myself. This is a big thing for me. Totally at peace alone. Totally fine. Just in life, not perceiving any veil, just here hanging out. And then people come in or there's some like, there's even a, 
even uh, looking toward you and suddenly something is activated. Now, what's activated is this sense of self, right? Or for me, it was anyway, where all of a sudden it's like, oh, now now I'm here and there's eyes on me and I could do it right and wrong and good things might happen or bad things might happen. And, and now life feels horrible and it feels like there's a massive veil and there's really a veil between me and these people, even though these people aren't doing anything, they're just present, right? But it all was unfolding in my consciousness about there's eyes on me and me, me, me. And really the eyes on me were my own eyes. Me had come to life in my own head and that does not feel comfortable relatively speaking, it does not feel comfortable at all compared to just being alone with no me. So so there is like a clue in that, you know, like, wow, isn't it weird? Totally fine. Somebody walks in the room, all of a sudden there's tension. The person can walk in the room and smile at me and I would have felt tension. It didn't matter. They could walk in and compliment me. Doesn't matter. Suddenly what happened when there was a, I kind of see this now, I guess, but like when another body, another apparent body was there, so was I. Before another body was there, I wasn't there either. So so just noticing that kind of contrast, so interesting. And you all have thousands of those, me too. Like we all have these things where we're like, oh, that's weird. I was just out walking and everything was fine. And then I saw that person that looked like my uncle and now suddenly I feel this or, you know, whatever, however that goes, those are our clues. So for my husband, I I just thought that was so cute as like a little kid too. He's like, I was, it was so weird to me that I hated it yet I was laughing. And that showed me something's not really right here. Like something doesn't add up. So in his little kid mind, somehow he could just kind of see, okay, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm anticipating it and resisting it and clenching, which kind of seems to make it worse. Like he, he kind of could put all those pieces together and he went into the essence of this experience again in his own way, but this is my summary of it. And somehow he was able to see, okay, when they're tickling me, even though my body's doing a bunch of stuff, I don't, I don't know how he would say this, but it's basically like my body can be having all the typical tickling reactions and I don't, and those can just come, those can just kind of play out. Like I don't have to get involved with that or again, I don't, I don't know in detail. He doesn't remember all the details of how he reasoned it out or how he kind of saw it, it, it in real time. But there was a sense of these body-mind reactions happen, these emotions happen, this clenching happens, whatever. But that's just a process that doesn't need my buy-in and it doesn't actually have to be that way. Like like if I can just welcome this or get, get curious about it or whatever, it doesn't have to always play out the exact way. It's not a black and white, you get tickled, here's how you feel. It's not a black and white, like I hate being tickled. He kind of, he knew there was more to it than that. He knew there was something there that he could kind of smoke his way through. And he did. The The craziness about this is this is something that is very known within his family and now with our kids who 
try like crazy to tickle him. He is not the least bit ticklish. He he successfully smoked that veil. <laughs> like he's and he did it a long, long time ago. So his sisters at some point they would just tackle him and tickle him and he would just lay there and he's like, nothing. There's nothing. So it worked. <laughs> and it's continued to be the case. Um And I love that when I was talking about like awakening, you know, he was like, oh yeah, I have a version of that, my whole ticklish thing. And I I never put those things together. He also, I won't talk as long about this one, but he also um, was like one of these kids who was painfully shy, like really, really, really shy as a young kid. And even through high school, um, where someone would just look at him and his whole body would like turn bright red and he would feel... you know, all of this stuff. Um, And he did a similar thing with that. And again, I I don't know. I wish I I could get him to like talk about it in more detail, but I don't know if he even, if he even kind of introspected enough to kind of be able to, to retell it. But, but he does know, he has a very clear sense of like knowing, yeah, I realized at some point that this was the reaction that appeared to be built into me when people would look my way or call on me in class or whatever, all of this stuff would happen. And the way he tells it is he kind of realized, okay, the way out of that, now again, take this for what it's worth, but this is just what he saw for himself. He saw the way out of this is to just do it like crazy until I don't care anymore. So, um, you know, as a young farm boy who had like never left his his little 40-mile vicinity in the state of Wisconsin, uh, as soon as he graduated from high school, he went to the army and then he was living in Germany and he like put himself in all these situations. He bartended because he literally thought like, okay, what's like a really social job? <laughs> I need a job where I'm constantly having to make conversation and talk with people. Now, this is not for everyone and I'm not at all saying like go toward exposure therapy, like jump off the deep end and do all that. That's not it's not going to work for everyone. It's not the thing that makes sense for everyone. But it made sense for him. It felt right. And that's all that matters. We all have our own things, you know, that kind of resonate in it. And that that intuitively felt like the way through this for him. And it was. It was very successful. I mean, you he's, this is, he's much older now, obviously. But he's you, you wouldn't at all even think he's particularly shy. He's not super loud uh, and like majorly outgoing or anything, but um, he is more so than I am a lot of the times. Like you would never, you would never guess. And, and just even internally, a lot of that stuff, he's just like, yeah, you know, sometimes that reaction happens. It doesn't at all happen like it used to, but it's like, oh, that's the veil. That's that old thing. I smoked that thing. <laughs> like, feel free to come up. It's not going to hold me back is kind of how it looks to him. Mostly it doesn't even show up anymore. But if it does show up, like someone calls on him and a group of friends were in or whatever, and he feels that physical thing, it just looks exactly like we talk about here all the time. It just looks like, oh, okay, that's what's happening right now. I'm not going to run. I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to talk, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So why would I care? I just let it run its course and do its thing. And that's, that's how he kind of successfully smoked that veil. But 
again, what I thought was so cool about these stories is they have nothing to do with awakening. He has no interest in really seeing that he's not a separate self and all of that. But he had a very, a very strong interest in not being ticklish and a very, very strong interest in not being so shy. And by kind of leaning into this stuff and examining it, just like we look at here, that's very different for him now. So I think that from a mind trying to figure this out kind of perspective, there could be some confusion. It could sound like we're talking about um, willpower or making something happen or um, him choosing to do these things. And so you should just choose to make yourself different or... I don't know, all that all that doer stuff that comes up in our heads, it can kind of sound like that's what's being talked about. And it's really not. There's nothing that's forcing here. Just like there's not, and there's nothing that he chose, clearly. I mean, I just, I don't know how how anyone chooses anything, right? Like it occurred, it's some some things were curious, some things were examined, some things were leaned into. It made sense, even as a strategy. Fine, the mind extrapolates and conceptualizes and says, oh, here's what I'm going to do to see if this will help me not be ticklish or not be shy anymore. Fine. But all of that is just what happened. It's all just what arose. Just like for you, whatever veil you may be trying to smoke, just like if you're curious about who I really am, I'm not, I'm not these insecurities. I'm not this social self. I'm not these identities. Who am I really? There are inquiries that happen that you don't have to make happen. There are things that are examined and things that are felt and leaned into and welcomed and all of that. So, this isn't about forcing anything. It's not possible to force anything. It's not possible to make yourself not feel like a self. Um, that really doesn't make sense. Or to even make yourself not be shy or not be ticklish. But sometimes there's an inclination and there's an interest and there's some intuition kind of pointing us in directions of things. And and sometimes they unfold similarly to this. So, I think, um, yeah, if you're curious in the ways that we talk about here about really, again, those deeper questions, like the essence of your experience, what does it feel like to feel like a me? What, what does that feel like? Can I, can I just go into the feeling of that? Can I find it? Can I speak to it? Can I see what's behind it? Can I be curious? What's the essence of this feeling? Again, a lot of times these, I mean, always really, these are not answerable questions. It's not about putting out these questions and then getting some answer back. It's really kind of like we put out these questions and we see there is no answer and that's your answer. Your answer is, I don't know. I don't know what this is, what this feeling is, who I really am. There, <laughs> I don't know is a really great answer to those questions. It's way better than some other answer. <laughs> oh, here's what you are. You are everything. You are life itself. Fine, if that means something to you, but often it doesn't, you know. So it's not about finding answers. It's really just about moving through inquiring into these things and being curious about things and examining the essence and where things come from and and 
which kind of reveals the empty nature of everything and kind of backing into it that way. And again, this can be about whether you're trying to smoke the veil of feeling separate from life, like you're a separate self. You believe yourself to be a human being on a planet and and you think there's more to it than that. Smoke that veil. Go for it. Play with this. Or whether you just want to stop being so ticklish. (laughs) Apparently it works in that case too and you can play with it there too. The Fall 2023 Little School of Big Change class begins today on September 11th. 95% of LSBC grads say that what they learned in this course put them on the path to lasting change. We're so confident in that that we offer a money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. Head over to thelittleschoolofbigchange.com to enroll now. It's going to be an amazing six weeks full of insights and lasting change for all of us. Enrollment ends on Thursday, September 14th. I hope to see you there.